Spoiler alert. Hello everyone and welcome to Living a Life Through Books, the podcast about everything bookish. I'm your host, Dr. Shanaz Ahmed, and today is Book Club. Before I bring up our conversation, I wanted to say that your support of my podcast means a lot to me. The easiest way is to buy me a coffee. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash LLTB podcast. Every coffee you buy me helps keep me alert and this podcast going. I'll add the link in the show notes and I thank you. And back to the show. Today's book club book is Black Buck by Matteo Ascaripor. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation about Black Buck by Matteo Ascaripor. All right, everyone, welcome to Book Club. We are doing Black Buck by Matteo Ascaripor today. And uh, I think I already told you guys that Matteo said hello and he appreciates us doing his book. He will not be joining us. He's actually, even as we speak, he's in London right now. And I just saw his Instagram profile that he's actually doing another Zoom meeting with some other bookstore there or some other something. And I was like, you know, and time difference and all that. But I don't know. It was just weird. But anyway. And London time right now, it's 7, what is it, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1 a.m. So so he's definitely not joining us. So just want to let you know that. So no surprises there. Okay, uh, first thoughts about this book. Erin, you want to go? Okay, sure. So I almost didn't finish this book, I'll be honest, because uh, my my hold elapsed on it, and I was like, 60 to 70% through and then I had to put it back on hold for, through Libby and so that was part of it but also I mean I probably could have made a better effort to like get a copy to finish I did end up finishing it because I got my hold came up um, in time but I got a little frustrated because I really liked the characters at the beginning and then I hated how the business scheme it felt like it corrupted him a lot. And so I got really angry and I didn't want to finish the book, but I'm glad I finished the book because I think in the end, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I felt like maybe that the author was giving us a, um, what do I want to say? Like his arguments of why capitalism is bad. Okay. I don't know. So you felt the, the book was about why capitalism is bad more than, okay. Um, my my thoughts, my first thoughts, we're doing a first thoughts, Rufus. Welcome. Hi there. Hi Hello. Uh, so my first thoughts, actually, when I first read it, I think I did it as an audio. It was one of my influencer books on Libra FM. And so I wasn't paying attention mm-hmm. in the sense that, oh, Black Buck, I didn't even look that it was a novel, nothing. I just played it. And it's like, oh, here's a book about a Black man. And I'll tell you how to climb the ladder, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Okay, self-help category, fine. (laughs) Self-help for a Black person, fine. I never even, you know, thought in terms of fiction. Oh, really? Immediately the category went self-help, nonfiction. Oh, okay. Yes. No, that's how it went. As the story is going, (laughs) 
you know, some of it's okay. I'm like, this is, this is real. Uh This is, and then it's like, I don't even know when it hit me that this this cannot be real. There is, this has to be a fiction book. Mm -hmm. Wait, 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 what? This is not a self-help book. Wait, what's going on? (laughs) So that was my first thought on it. Thought on it. Okay. And I, you know, we can talk more, but uh, first thoughts. Okay. Okay. Rufat, you want to go first thought? Uh, after being done with the book, you know, I finished it 10 minutes ago. <laughs> okay, good. So, so fresh. That's a, it's very hard for me to form an opinion that close to finishing up a book or watching. But um, I liked it, actually. And the first thought, I, I think I, I liked the book and I liked how it talked about, you know, from hair to hair kind of a thing. Um, and there were a few things that I wasn't very crazy about, but overall, lots of surprises, very good writing. And I did audio, Audible and I loved hearing Robinson's voice. It was amazing the way he did it with all the accents and everything. So overall, good book. But okay. I, I wish I could give you more about my first thought, maybe in a little bit. <laughs> Sounds great. What about I'll, the rest? I would love I'll, to hear. I'll you ask you for your, sec- for your first thought as a and second thought. Second thought. <laughs> Down yeah, the road. Let's see. Yeah, let's see. What was everybody else's first thought? I would like to hear that in a couple of sentences. Dr. Jen. Yes. What is your first it. thought? I really like this book. Um, I agree with Aaron. In the middle, it was kind of hard because everything was falling apart. And I was like, I wanted to strangle them. But ultimately, it felt to me like it was kind of a caricature. Like everything was so over the top and so exaggerated. I mean, they had a pig running around in the office and like their, you know, pep talks in the morning where they're screaming about how excited they are to sell stuff. I'm like, this is hilarious. So I thought it was funny. Um, And I I thought it was funny that they kept like mistaking him for other black people like over and over as a different actor. Everybody would like be like, you look like so and so and somebody else be like, no, you look like so and so. I thought it was hilarious and I'm glad that at the end everything finally kind of got wrapped up even though it was in a somewhat unexpected way. (laughs) Did you guys expect that end at all or? No I didn't. How do you feel about the end? Let's I know I'm I'm going all over the place but because you brought up the end how what did you think about that end? I I don't know I I even told Mateo when I talked to him I mean it's on the podcast I told him I did not I did not like that he did that drug trade. I was I was mad about it and I kept going, no, don't do it, don't do it. Yeah. And and Mateo's like, what, you wouldn't have done it? And I'm like, no, I wouldn't, no. And he's like, okay, fine. I mean, it's your choice. I mean, but, and yeah, you should listen to the Mateo interview. After, yeah, yeah it, it will make, it's, yeah, but that, it, that end was just <clears throat> disappointing. I don't know. Somehow I wanted salvation for him. And I know he wrote it in a form of getting salvation, but being in jail is not salvation. So it's just like, it's that balance of, hey, you want salvation. I've given you salvation in jail. What? Huh? Wait, what? So that's that's my ending. That's how I felt about the end. What did you guys think about that end? Um, I, I thought there was kind of a thread of karma that went through it too. So I, w- I knew that when he kicked that old man out of the first floor, I forget his name, like I knew that this was going to come back and bite him and it was going to be somehow. And so of course he ended up paying for that, that mistake in an unexpected way, but it, yes. And I, I agree with you as soon as like that, 
um, he was in the hospital talking to his friend and his friend was like, you need to do this thing for me. I was like, don't do it. <laughs> this is not going to turn out well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I think it was, I think it was the karma. Anyone else about the end? I, d- I don't know about karma. I really don't know about karma, really. I just felt like, I think I'm, I'm thinking very black and white. I, that's what I was going to say. I think too, because to me, the end is very possible ending for the way his life went up and down. To me, I think, honestly, that made the book real. Although, it's, of course, it was heartbreaking. And, you know, I think that made the book very real because you can only gain so much in short term. If you're gaining so much, there has to be a, a fall and you're bound to make mistakes. And what is like 22, 23 with no guidance, with, you know, he made $2 million overnight. I mean, that's you're bound to do that. And I, I agree with the karma. I kind of felt that he spent six months or so after he came back to his old home. And I just didn't understand that. Why did he, he went back to Jason, to Soraya, Mr. Aziz, everybody, but he did not try to find Mr. Uh, Rowling, was it right? So I, I kind of did not understand why did he do that? And it kind of made sense in the end that maybe he was trying to put a surprise element to it, but that also kind of became a negative point of the book for me, that if he was able to find everybody and ask for forgiveness, I wish he had gone one step ahead, how difficult it is to find about a person, you know, an old man. So I, I do think he was an amazing guy, but like even, and I understand that Rhett was also mentoring him for his own reasons because of the company, but still he was not honest with Rhett. And I, I think that was something that I did think was uh, not good on his part. Okay, Aaron, you have your hand up, so I'll let you go. But after you go, let's talk about the Rhett-Darren relationship. Yeah. Well, it may be that, okay, so the ending, he ends up in jail because of a drug deal. A deal. But weren't they, when he was like in the height of all of the money-making craziness, weren't they all doing drugs? Okay, so I kind of felt like that ending while it was disappointing at the same time, isn't that also a commentary on who ends up in jail for doing drugs and who doesn't? I mean, I, that's how I took it. And I was like, I just feel like this whole story is like Mm -hmm. a commentary on the system. Mm -hmm. And like, and then that's when I could like look back and be like, okay, I hated this book because of the system and what it was doing to him. But now like, I can appreciate because this is, this is maybe the message. It's a commentary. It's a, it's a, this is why this is bad situation, but I don't know. That's just my thoughts on that. I missed that Darren was doing drugs. I thought he gave it up. Um, What did I miss? Like, I thought he was not doing drugs. I thought he gave it up when, you know, with this job. And I thought Jason was doing all of that. And I actually had a problem with his friendship with Jason, to be very honest. I was kind of like, I did not like Jason. I had a problem with that relationship, which was very interesting what Mateo told me because Mateo was just like, oh, uh, okay. You know, if that's how you feel, that's fine. Okay. And I'm like, what? And, and. Mateo really likes Jason. Like one of his favorite characters is Jason. And I'm going, 
really? Like that point of view, you know? So, okay, back to Aaron. I didn't know Darren was doing drugs and then getting Jason back into this picture. And then was he doing drugs because Jason got back into the picture? I don't think it was. Well, I thought it was like at this, the business, like, cause he's with the driver from the business and he's like doing lines in the car. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, there's some references, I think even in like when he first comes to the company, there's some references to some of those people, like some of the high ups doing like snorting mm-hmm. like Coke. And I was like, okay, I think this is what, I mean, maybe I took those innuendos the wrong way and maybe that's not what was being said, but I thought that was what, because it was very much like the whole, um, what's that movie? The Wall Street movie that took, you know, where he beats on his chest and blah, manliness. Okay, like I took those whole scenes in the office to be very much like to a different degree what was portrayed in that movie. Anyway, so I guess I guess I could have taken things wrong, comments wrong, but it seemed like they were insinuating that there was coke use rampant in that particular office. Not his Starbucks job, not his stuff before, but like yeah. in this mental wellness <laughs> company, so like they're selling this idea. Yeah, I, I, I got that too. That was my impression. Okay. Yeah, same here. I, I kind of thought that it was, you know, they were doing it. I know. I probably just wrote it over my head that I'm going, what the heck's going on here? You know, I'm so focused on him. But anyway. They never said Coke. They just made some some references, some innuendo. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's, I think that's what they mean. But so yeah. don't, don't like make it feel bad, Shanaz, if you didn't pick up on the. Hey, <laughs> it's okay. I'm dense. I'm dense. It's totally fine. I'm okay. I miss things. It's totally fine. That's why we have book club. So it can be like, oh, yeah. It'll be like that moment for me. Right. Okay. So do we want to go to the the Rhett relationship? Mm-hmm. Do we want to talk about this relationship that was supposed to be based on trust? And even that scene where Rhett says, just tell me now. Tell me, are you part of the happy campers? Tell me what you're doing. Tell me, you know, Alex, whatever it is, just tell me this Mm -hmm. is about trust. What are your thoughts about that? Do you feel that he should have trusted him? Or do you feel that he'd made the right decision? He shouldn't have told him. You know, when it comes to me, I think, I know I said that he was not honest. And I think he was, right and I mean both of them I I can't imagine him telling that would be a betrayal but not telling was also a betrayal so he has put himself in a situation where you know both the things are equally important to him so I can't decide if he would have or he should have told but none of the things look right and none of them look wrong it was very you know kind of tough I think he does mention in the end that Jess Rett preferred me over Clyde because he, I was good for the business. And that's the first time he says anything negative about Red, but even kind of he covers it up and says that even then he is my best friend or something like that, he said. So uh, that kind of gave a negative uh, sort of an, brought a negative element to it that maybe he did that. But overall, I, since Red never came back and 
or at least I don't remember him taking any kind of revenge considering what he has done to him. So I would still put Rhett as a positive character unless I missed something. <laughs> Were there any things in this book that just made you start going, oh no, or, you know, like those breaking points where you wanted him to go one way and yet he went the other way. Like for me, it was like the Jason friendship in a lot of ways for me that, I don't know. And um, of course the drug scene, you know, going one way. Were there anything else? What do you think? Okay. So I would never have gone to work for that guy. I don't think, I don't know. I just don't feel like from the very beginning, I know he saw potential um, in Darren and I appreciated the potential that he saw And I think that Darren deserved a chance, but I don't know. I just got like skis ball off of that whole company. And it just felt like he went from making like an honest living doing, you know, working at Starbucks, which again, I I get it has limitations, but who knows if he, you know, in the long term, if he would have had a different opportunity, but I don't think I would have stayed with that company. It was just like, especially at the beginning, it was like, you're entering a cult. I don't know. It was so weird. It was bizarre. Like I could not have worked under those conditions like at all. There's no way I would have walked out. And I don't, I guess that kind of clouded what I would have said to um, Rhett in the situation of their conversation. It was with Rhett, right? Wasn't that who he was having the, like, are you part of this group conversation with? Yeah. I would have done what Darren did. Like, I would have just been like, okay, this is not like, I'm not going to, like, I don't feel like I can trust them because how many times was trust broken throughout this whole like hazing phase that you went through at the beginning, because I guess that's what I would call that. And I don't know, I just don't feel I feel like people were really tone deaf in the institution that he was working for. And I don't think that he could be honest. I don't think that he had I, I agree, it was a hard decision. But I don't think I could have been honest in that moment. And I, um, I don't really know how that would how that could have turned out any differently. Because the bottom line is that I think that they really like they as a company felt really good about having like token people that fit certain descriptions but like they thought that those people were the exception right to their generalizations and biases that they had I don't know so that's just I kind of rambled there but I would not have gone to work for them so the book never would have happened for me (laughs) Jen go ahead I, I think we saw some of that conflict in him too because he, he didn't want to go to the meeting with Rhett and he didn't want to go to the first day and he went to the first day and didn't want to go back and his mom and his girlfriend were um, wanting him to you know be the best that he can be and follow his dreams and you know achieve something great and I feel like he was getting a lot of pressure and he was feeling that this was making him not be himself anymore I think he was feeling that but because that's what they wanted for him he's like okay mom I'm gonna do this for you um and I, I remember him saying that like a bunch of times through throughout things like, I'm, I'm just gonna I'm gonna stick it out for mom because he wants mom to you know be able to quit her job and so I think he he knew that it was not going well but then once he got into that it's hard to get back out so what do you think about the whole uh, Mr. Rowling's thing? about 
his anger about mom dying and being like, you knew about this, get out of the house. Like I can understand, well, maybe I can't, but I, you know, it's, I'm trying to understand, you know, the trauma of losing your mother and the trauma of not knowing that she had the cancer, whatever. But you know what? Hey, you weren't paying attention either. Why are you taking it out on a man who was keeping her promise? If anything, the man was respecting your mother more than you are. And to kick him out, how'd you guys feel about that? I think it was a little transference personally. So he was mad at himself and he was taking it out on Mr. Rawlings. I, I, I don't, he wasn't, I don't think he was really that angry at, at Mr. Rawlings. I think he was angry at himself. He was just a, he was just a target. He was just close by. And I think he didn't seek out Mr. Rawlings when he came back and like was making amends with everybody. I think he, he didn't seek him out because he was embarrassed. He would have had to have confronted his behavior in that moment. And he was embarrassed and probably a little bit dreading what he would find out had happened to Mr. Rollins. Yeah, that could be it. But I, I wasn't, I, I don't know. I, I think that was a bit too extreme on his side to do that and like I said before not seeking him like you know I don't know like he he was uh, even with Jason uh, well no not Jason I don't like Jason and his I think J- Jason is an unfinished business <laughs> it should have first you know I am not very but Mr. Rowling and him I think he should um, I was just hoping that even if he told him the next day he would say don't go uh, no more matter how angry you are but then again you know we try to think the way we think just like you said, Jen, that, you know, um, you wouldn't work in a company like that. And I wouldn't work in a company like that. Do I can't work with all that pressure and making me stand in front of 100 people and making me talk and all that. But uh, there are people who work and there are people who, you know, would thrive on those things or there are people like Brett and, you know, even Darren. And it to me, it seemed like at one point, Darren also enjoyed it. And apparently he had the skills. So maybe that the same thing applies to... I don't know how angry I would, how much angry I can be to throw out. <laughs> but, you know, again, again, it's, you know, we some t- somehow compare the characters with ourselves saying we won't do it. So it's not right, you know, but I, yeah, I, I don't, did not uh, kind of uh, like it till the end. It bugged me a lot. And uh, I, I think it didn't have to be like that. Uh, that's where I kind of disagree with the author that he should have made amends and kind of, you know, brought that up to kind of where he was saying sorry to everybody who should have come and uh, found Mr. Rawlings as well. And um, I think you talked about Jason's relationship. Maybe you want to talk about it later, but, you know, whenever I would also like to comment on that. <laughs> you go ahead. Just just go. Jason's yeah, relationship it, is fine. Go. So, yeah, I kind of didn't understand why would he do that? I mean, even if you have some, uh, your friends and you are, whether it's jealousy or, you know, whatever hatred you can have to going, uh, go on air and say something about a person who was like, that was pure jealousy and that was pure hatred. Although I think friends shouldn't be having those kind of things, even if they are temporarily not talking to each other. So I did not like that. And I don't know what did he do to deserve that? What did our buck do to deserve that from Jason? Listen to the uh, Mateo. Yeah. 
interview with me seriously it's because I, I, I you know after because you've listened to the book because that one has spoilers too and it's the same thing because it just threw me off about how I said I can't believe you know I don't like Jason I'm like Jason's just jealous why can't Jason be happy for him yeah and Mateo's like what huh <laughs> like he was just like I'm like Mateo Hello, dude. But anyway, uh, yeah, I um, just uh-huh. never really, I'm kind of like this, I don't know, maybe it's just my sheltered cold heartedness. Uh-huh. No, I understand. I could no. potentially see Darren being like, you know what, Jason, I'm sorry. We cannot be friends anymore because you chose a path of drugs. You did this and you did this. And on top of it, now you're trying to undermine me and you don't want me to climb up this ladder and all of that. What kind of a friend exactly are you? Can you explain this to me, Jason? Because I cannot be your friend, sorry. But uh, that's, but again, Rufus, I liked what you said about how we think for these characters, what we would do what we feel like, because it's based on our experiences and our windows that we've lived our lives through. And our natures, yeah. Our, our natures and yeah, our, you know, who we've interacted with and all of that. We have not lived in Darren's shoes. We have not lived in Jason's shoes. We have not had that relationship. So I don't know, is it fair for me to say what I'm saying? Yes, it is, because I, we all have a right to speak. It is fair, right. but on the same token, I, I have to respect that. Yes. There, there are things I do not know about that. Jen? I, I think I might be a little confused. Did, so uh, my impression was at the end when he gets caught with the, with the drugs that he had some in his possession, but that when he goes into the apartment, Clyde is there and has a whole bunch more and like adds it to the stash. And that that whole thing, that whole like setup was Clyde. So Clyde and was Clyde was the buyer. Jason didn't know it was Clyde and Clyde was setting up Darren to fall mm-hmm. kind of through Jason without Jason being aware of it. Is that, did I get that right? Correct. Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. So, so I feel like, uh, I don't think Jason betrayed him in the way that he was sending him to jail I think that was all Clyde and he just was kind of a pawn in the scheme what part of it are are you um, thinking is the betrayal so we're not talking about betrayal at all oh we're talking about right from the beginning like before the happy campers okay before we had the happy campers when Darren just got this job and he is running to make it on time and running to the Metro and all of that. And Jason's in the corner, in the street corner, kind of sneering at him. Like, who the hell do you think you are? And he's making all these snide remarks about Darren. And Jason, I I don't remember all the stuff he does or says, but it just, felt I felt angry with Jason that Jason would not be happy that his friend is at least making the effort he got an opportunity 
and he's making the effort. That's that's the way I look at it. I know Aaron's like, what kind of opportunity are you talking about? I would never work for this company. I, yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying, let's look at it that yeah. he got an opportunity. He's making an effort. He's trying to quote unquote, get out of the hood, whatever you want to call it, right? But to say, you know what? You got a life vest. I don't. I'm going to pull you down and I'm going to take your life vest off because I'm swimming in this ocean. I'm struggling and I'm treading water. How dare you get a life vest and you're able to seek help? How dare you go out there? That It was those concepts in Jason that made me angry. And as far as um, what you're saying, Jen, about the end and the betrayal, Jason did not quote unquote, betray, um, I, ju- I was just gonna say, didn't betray Mateo. It's not Mateo, it's, <laughs> it's Darren. I mean, Jason didn't betray Darren intentionally, but I felt the betrayal I feel is trying to get him back into the drug trade, trying to get him back into this deal. That is the betrayal. When someone is clean, getting them back in. If I'm an alcoholic and I have worked really hard and I haven't had a sip of alcohol and you're like, just one glass of wine with me, that's disrespectful on your part for offering me that wine because I would question your friendship. I would question your intentions or that you don't have empathy for what I have been through or what I'm going through. So that's where I felt, I don't know, I, Jason's character, it's unsettling to me. I mean, it, and it'll always be unsettling. Even after I talked to Mateo and he likes Jason, I think Mateo loves Jason more than he loves Darren. And I, okay, fine. You're the author. You can love who, whichever character you want. It's your book as a reader. It's my right to process it the way I want to. And I, Jason will always be unsettling to me. And uh, I do want to bring up the next part is, let's talk about the happy campers. What I want to talk about the happy campers is the creation, the intention of creating the happy campers. I mean, was the intention pure? Was it fine? And then the direction in which the happy campers went and continued to the point of almost like a, not almost, it became an an all right racial war. So let's talk about the happy campers. I'll just tell you that I like the intention. I think it was very noble what he was doing, trying to help people. But I also, again, felt a little... um, I just felt a little, I want to say cheated, but I felt like it just went out of his control. Like he didn't put his foot down and say, this is what we're going to do. And he just, I know the, you know, they were, Rose was like, you know, like really, you know, getting at him and was like, no, you need to do this. Oh, I brought another member in. Oh, by the way, I brought another member in, you know, like, it's kind of like I come into book club and you guys are like, oh, Shanaz, hey, guess what? We have 100 people in book club today. Oh, sorry, I forgot to tell you. What the heck? You just invited, you just sent the link to 100 people in book club? Shouldn't you have told me? <laughs> and, and then it's like, 
No, you can't be part of this book club if you can't respect this. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Rafat, you're out. You're out. You don't respect I mean, I'm just saying, you know, it's like, that's how I felt about the starting of the happy campers and the way they forced them around. And I was just like, there was a lot of unease. I was just unsettled. What do you guys think? Erin, you go. You haven't said much. You're just sitting there relaxing and watching my facial expressions go all over the place. So it's your turn. Go ahead. I mean, I loved the intention. I wish I could pinpoint the moment at which that it went terribly negative. But I can't really, like, put my finger on it. Because at the beginning, I was like, yeah. And, like, of course, like, it's okay. Like, I had no problem with them excluding white people because some people might say, well, that was the moment that things went wrong was when you start excluding people. So but I don't feel like I was fine with that. And I was even fine with them, like hacking. And <laughs> I guess I'm just now showing my boundaries. So. <laughs> All right, Erin, I'm liking this. OK, you, you didn't mind them hacking. OK, this is interesting. I'm OK, like, oh, I mean, who doesn't do a little bit of hacking? Of course. They have the capabilities. Um, I mean, not totally advocating for that, but they were up against a machine that was doing these things too, really, right? Okay, so like what, which, I mean, look at the tacti- t- tactics of the company that he was working at. So, I mean, I, I don't really feel like the hacking was that big of a deal on the scale of like ethical issues that came up in this book. I guess the line was when it started to become more like physical violence and I don't know, but I didn't have a problem with them at the beginning. At the beginning. And honestly, like, I don't know if I even had a problem with them at the end Does that until they wanted to like go kill somebody because they thought Trey was dead and they were like, let's go kill one of these other people. And that's when Darren had to be like, wait, guys, no, we're not going to do that. Like, that's a bad idea. And I, I'm glad he stepped in there, but I don't know if I actually ever disliked the group I don't know <laughs> that's all I'll say so Erin you were fine with all the hacking and everything but you say you stop with the murder of a person I mean I'm kind of like you know I'm just gonna extend it I mean I don't I I'm kind of like how much is too much how much hacking is too much hacking because then you go into the issue of well, it's just murdering one person. I mean, how many, it's not like you're murdering several. It's how many murders is too many murders, you know? Like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, but uh, Jen. I was uh, really concerned once they kidnapped Clyde. I was like, that's, that's a bit too far for me. Like they're, they put, took this guy blindfolded and brought him to his house and beat him up. I mean, that is, and it was like a powerful person from the company who has a lot of leverage and then turns out to be able to do bad things to you. Like that was not a smart decision. So I was kind of out at that point. Yeah. Smart decision was not that they beat him up. The unsmart decision, the dumb decision was the fact that they didn't kill him. I, I mean, I, I mean, I'll be very honest. No, Aaron, you're laughing. No, I was just like, okay, if you're going to do all this, you're going to go to this extent, finish the job. What is wrong with you people? Finish White tiger. the job. <laughs> you, you asked, you asked Shanaz why I kept saying that this, is, that this reminded me of White Tiger. I was like, this whole book reminds me of White oh, Tiger. Oh, okay. So much. That's why. That's why. Okay. Yeah, because. I mean, like, they do literally kill a kid and everybody just sweeps it under the rug. 
Right. I mean, uh, yeah. No, I know. That's that is true. I mean, but but that was the thing because the you know it's like you guys are you guys are doing all this thing. You think you are coordinated in your attacks, but you're uncoordinated in your attacks. So you don't you're not thinking ahead of what could happen potentially. You're like, oh, we just got Clyde. We beat him up. It's going to scare the shit out of him. No, he is going to rear up and get angry for the same reason you are rearing up and getting angry. You're so angry. You're going to do all the stuff to Clyde. You think he's going to shut up after that or other people? Are, why would you think that they're going to be quiet? If you can be so angry, they can be just as angry. But but look, hey, let's talk about this. This book is creating like such an, like a anger, emotion, at least in me. Like it's it's creating this emotion like, oh no, this is how it should be. You know, it's it's a great discussion piece. It's a great commentary. It's, there's so much to, I guess, unravel, unwrap in this book. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about race. Let me just talk about this uh, happy camper thing, if you don't okay, mind. Okay, okay, yeah. Oh yeah, we haven't. Um, the, no, no, I'm that's okay. I, I was just, no, it's okay. I was just saying that um, to be able to control group like that, and I'm not trying to like you know we're talking about Rose is a homeless. Jason has had a history of, so how can you expect that things are not gonna go wrong? That's how I look at it. You know, we we're talking about putting together people who, and again, I don't want to come across as, uh, you know, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we have different people from backgrounds, which they have their experiences and the way they, they have dealt with life, the way they have been faced with things that maybe a, a lot of us are not right. So it's very hard to control anger from that kind of up population and they're going to do and Rose is going to do and Jess is going to do what they did it didn't come to me as a surprise I just think his leadership would have should have been a bit more maybe he should have laid a bit more rules he should have not let those things happen Uh, although he keeps on saying don't do this don't do that but um, to me it seemed like a very natural consequence of putting together even you know things can happen when it's such a big group how do you know who's gonna react to you know everybody can anybody could be very emotional and go ahead and do something like that you know it is what it is so to me it's a when I didn't I actually am one of those people who I think kind of didn't like the idea where it's only colored people and no white and I think if they had white maybe it would have gone in their favor that's how I look at it politically you know the that's what I think that if they had people from every race, every color, every you know gender and all that, because he seemed to have everything except white. So I thought uh, including those people and especially his rises from whites and he can't go against them. I that's how I look at it. Um, that he could have maybe brought in some mainstream and created a group that was actually then it wouldn't be as hostile as it seemed. I don't know. That's me. Again, we all come with our own, you know, natures and everything. And uh, I just want to say one thing about Jason and it's going back that, um, you know, how he was. I mean, I didn't mind when he was sneering at him the first day. It's perfectly okay to be jealous from somebody that I'm still here and he gets it. But what I didn't like when he goes on air and says anything against him, that's where I think I thought it was too much. But I just want to say one thing that we are all women. 
And I see that my husband forgets things like these about his friends. They do move on more than we do. So whether it's Mateo or Darren, I think it kind of bugged me, but it also looks pretty okay to me looking at my husband, even my sons, the way they, I, I don't have girls, but I'm pretty sure if I had girls, they would let on to like, oh no, she said that and I'm never going to go back to, you know? So I think it's a man thing too. So I, I, that's how I look at it. And they had a history. We can't forget that, that they were together since, you know, Jason had helped him from a bully. So we can't, we don't, he doesn't go into the relationship that he has with Jason, but that has to be remembered when he goes back and say, because in, he also went ahead and beat the hell out of him, you know? So it kind of evened out. So it's okay that he takes him up again. To me, that's fine. You know what I'm saying? A guy thing. <laughs> All right. Dr. Jen. Can I respond to that too? Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with like not knowing as much about his very early relationship with Jason. And what I did like about Jason was that towards the end, he was trying to get out. Like he was working in McDonald's and like, I can't imagine the Jason at the beginning of the book yelling at him on the street, you know, um, catcalling him and such being someone who would take a behind the counter job at McDonald's. And, and yet by the end, he sees that that's gonna hopefully help at some point to get him out. Um, I wish that he hadn't kind of slipped backwards with the drugs, but I feel like he was getting there. And I, I feel like they were able to somewhat patch up for their relationship. And he was looking for kind of that next step on, on the way out. And that's why he agreed to reconcile and, and then join the, the happy campers, whether or not that was a good idea. I don't know, but right. <laughs> he was, he was getting there. <laughs> my, my thought is, okay, so I'll, I'll bring it back, but so I have a business, right? right. I, I have a pediatric dental business. And if things are not going well in my business, whose fault is it? It's my fault. Because, you know, I hire people and if they said something wrong or they did something wrong, mm -hmm. it would be like, hey, you hired them. You should have checked on this. They should do this. There, there's all of that. So let's look at this in terms of a company. You let these people, you were the boss, Darren. You hired, yeah, it's voluntary, but you hired, you let these people into your company and then this happened. Yes. Hello? Yeah. And I'm, it, that's exactly what I meant about the leadership. It has to be, you know, uh, I think that he kind of failed as a leader, but then I also think that the people with those, like, you know, it was bound to go out of hand. There was no way it was going to go that smooth. Okay, to let's be fair, talk about. I think, go ahead. I, go I, I was going to add more that. I was going to just add the fact that I felt like that um, Darren was a reluctant leader. So like yes. he never planned this. They kind of planned it for him, yeah. and he at first was like, "I don't really know if I want to do this," and then he ends up doing it, obviously. But I also think that that. I, I don't want to say like, I don't think he was a bad leader. I think he was a reluctant leader and a reluctant leader will oftentimes, you know, if they're very reluctant and they don't accept that role fully, they're not going to have boundaries and rules like he didn't. And then that of course leads to trouble and reflects back on them, even though like I, I, it wasn't him directly doing those things or saying to do those things. It was a lack of 
boundaries and rules that led to that. And he didn't set boundaries and rules because I don't think he ever really wanted to be in that position. Definitely. That's very true. Yeah. Do you think Darren had much, um, I want to use the word ownership, but ownership is the wrong word. Uh, The word I want to say is how much of the book is what Darren did, how Darren made a change and Darren enacted the change versus how much of the book was that shit happens. Things came back at Darren. What do you think about that? He made the choice at the very beginning to try that different way of upselling coffee that got him the conversation. So that was a very intentional choice and and that that was definitely him and his own motivation. But I do think that there were many times in the book and probably the times that went the worst was when he was just kind of like letting the pressures, as Dr. Healy put, pointed out, like lead him instead of making his intentional decisions. If he had been making more intentional decisions, I'm again, I don't think the story would I don't think the story would have played out the way it did. Now, would it have been 10 years before he got a break? Maybe you know, but I also don't think he would have necessarily had like all the negative things that came with going with the pressures here. What do we want to discuss? Do we want to discuss the dildo scene? Who was that? Wow, that totally slipped me. (laughs) Uh, I remember it, but I can't remember the context. No, Aaron doesn't remember it. Yes, yes, the sales, the rose in. Yes, yes, yes. Do Uh we want to discuss that or no? Well, I'm okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying, what, what are your thoughts about that scene? Like what, what emotions did you go through with this? Did you think Rose would be able to do it? You were like, or like, I felt like I was like, oh my gosh, Darren, that's so unfair. Mm-hmm. You know, what you're asking her to do is just so unfair. And I was just like, whoa, now I understand why. Yes. Now I get it like it's showing Rose's character, but that it was a learning experience for me a little bit, but it was just interesting. I, I just found humor in it and I found it was very creative. I thought it was very creative. And I think he kind of repeated what was done to him when he was being trained. So he kind of applied the same thing. It, it was a little unrealistic the way how smoothly it went because it took Darren so long to finally be able to uh, get a deal made or whatever they were saying. But it took Rose like this and second day she was the higher. So that was a, I mean, I'm not talking about the deal, this thing, but I know that that part was a bit unrealistic. One of the unrealistic things, there were quite a few unrealistic things in the book, including this, that she got hired right away and this whole scene went so smoothly. Did you guys like Rose? I wasn't a big fan of her. I, I just, I'll tell you, I was not a fan of Rose. I was not as well. But then again, that's her nature. I, you know, again. <laughs> again, I mean, we're judging based on us. Okay, then I didn't. <laughs> I'm judging based on myself. And I know <laughs> the way she is just pushy. So, yeah, but then again, okay, but now Aaron's going to correct us and go, wait, why can't a woman be assertive? And when a woman's being assertive, we're calling her pushy. No, and if a man I... did that, we'd be like, wow, he's assertive. There is that element to it because I feel, I just, but I, but the way Rose did it, I do not like that. It's almost like forcing 
your way through something. But then if she didn't force her way through, then what was, you know, how was she going to get anywhere? Dr. Jen. I I agree. I I feel that way about all salespeople, uh, regardless of gender. I feel like that's their whole point in life is to push things through and to make you uncomfortable so that you buy their stuff. Um, And so I thought she was really good at that for for what it's worth. But me personally, I don't think she and I would be hanging out. But, you know, it's (laughs) I think she was good (laughs) at what she did. Uh, What I what I didn't like was when she started taking the lead on doing things that were, uh, I guess, more and more negative. Like it sounded like she was really the mastermind behind the kidnapping Clyde thing. And I'm like, that's too far. <laughs> We've, we're too far now. Dr. Jen, I'm really glad you're not going to hang out with Rose, which means she's not going to come to book club. Thank you so much. This is, this is good. This is good. Erin, <laughs> you're next. I was just going to say, well, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here. You hey, know. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I'm going to be yes, best let's friends do with it. Rose, but I'm just saying you know, this is probably the wrong day to have this conversation with me because I've already had one conversation today about how simply saying that I work in the profession of genetics and I'm happy to answer questions about mRNA vaccinations is me pushy, being pushy about my credentials. So, and, and being snooty about my credentials. So wait, wait, um, wait. what is being snooty so yeah. about your credentials? Just stating I that just feel like yeah, that, that, that's credentials being snooty. is being snooty. That's being snooty to say that I know something in the way like I have like a knowledge of mRNA is is but you do. But I the, do. OK, the that's why I'm saying the I can't, difference I can't is that behind. you have that. Well, sure. But, but but I'm okay. saying it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Right. Because it's direct communication. And and so we're getting angry with Rose's direct communication because we think it's a little bit too direct a little bit too pushy but you know then me I'm a little bit because of you know this that same concept I'm a little bit too snooty I'm a little bit too uh I'm being elitist if I bring up the fact that I have this knowledge or training and you know rather than me be like saying like like it's it's uh justifying that I have or explaining that I have a knowledge it doesn't matter people will take that as a woman I'm, I, I guarantee you, like as a woman, and we do it to each other, and we don't even realize it because we're socialized to do it. So I, I don't know. I don't, I didn't, I don't know. Rose didn't strike me as bad until she started doing some of the violent stuff. I had no problem with Rose. Rose can be as like direct as Rose wants to be, and it's not going to bother me any. I'm, I'm a fan of clear communication. But I think we have to be very careful to judge her because it's very easy to fall into those socializations and those traps of uh, expectations of women in communication and expectations of men in communication. Erin, I'm going to um, respectfully disagree and agree. Okay, here's my thought on it. Okay, so I am having a genetics conference, a women's genetics conference. And I have invited Dr. Jen, I've invited a few other women genetics people, but I'm not inviting you, okay? And you say to me, hey, Shanaz, you should invite me. I'm a genetic counselor. How come you're not inviting me to your counts, to your conference? And I say, Erin, I, I understand, you know, you're very qualified, but in this conference, this is what I want. At that point, you say, 
No, I am coming to this conference and I am speaking and you show up at the damn conference, you push Dr. Healy off the podium and you take the podium and say, okay, let's talk about this people. I have a problem with that. That goes into breaking the rules. I'm a, I'm a rule follower. So I, it's, I don't look at it as women, men. I, I just, it's like when you directly break a rule and when you directly disregard something I say, that's the issue. I'm not, I'm not saying that Rose shouldn't be assertive. Sure, she should be like, hey, but I was really mad because it's like, you don't just bring people in without asking, hey, I wanna invite this person. Like if you're coming to game night, Erin, and you wanna bring some friends, you would call me and you would tell me, hey, Shanaz, I have these friends, can I invite them over to my home? That's the least you can do to me. That's the least you can, that's the least bit of respect. But the Rose character here, I felt was, let's say you came home with four people and just said, okay, come on in. Hey, Shanaz, we're having game night. I brought everyone in and I'm scrambling and I'm going, oh my God, I, I, I hadn't planned for this many people. I hadn't planned games for this. That's, so there's a, Absolutely, women have to be assertive. Absolutely, women have to get the respect they deserve for their knowledge. If you're putting, if I, if there's a man and a woman and, um, and the man was busy and I had a genetics question and it was you who was available, Erin, and I was like, no, that's okay, I'll wait for him. Then you can say, well, Shanaz, is there something I can help answer? I know exactly, you know, I know all of this. Can I help you? You know, I can help you with this. That's being assertive. But so, to just, uh, that, yeah, that's anyway, anyway, I'm sorry. There, there's so many characters know, in this book. There's so many, exactly. That, and you know, with Rose, I really liked her till, I actually didn't mind when she brought four friends to me. It seemed like, it seemed like a, she was pushing in, but then I was like, okay, she's, getting help for her you know people and then she has somebody and she can put them together it was okay especially it was very touchy when she said she was homeless so that was a very you know I really liked her then I just think irrespective of whether it was Rose or another it was a guy who brought all this you know to this point where she I think was it a bake sale where she went ahead and remember what was that the, they were selling cupcakes and everything she went ahead and disturbed that part and then later she did the Clyde so that right. it it's not because it was a woman or something but I think anybody with that kind of a nature I'm a, kind of not I would say I wasn't a big fan of the way her aggressiveness whether it was a man or a woman the way it like uh, if you know, we are expert at something. And if you say something, people can listen to us or not listen to us. We can all, it is, we can be offended and that's it. But we are not going to go ahead and do things that are going to bring them down. You know what I'm saying? But what she did with Clyde and he, she and Jason did with Clyde did bring him down. That's a huge step than just offending somebody's emotions or, you know, things like that. So I think it was, um, it, it was okay till she was a little pushy and it's fine, you know. Uh, she was able to make her, she was smart enough to do it and that, you know, she went where she belonged. But just that later stages is when I thought, you know, it was in a good addition to his uh, group. That's what I felt. 
Uh, but you write about so many characters and um, it was like uh, what, 12 hour book? I don't know how, long. but I think there was, he could have written a bit more about some of the characters, some of his own history and some of the history of the characters that, because then I think all of us would be able to understand more. For example, if we had a history of Rose then we might not be looking at her as negatively as we are now. If we had more history about Jason, we wouldn't be doing that, you know, uh, so I think it's uh, maybe a little bit more, but then he wasn't into, I mean, he did the characterization is really good in the book, but it, I think if there may be one more chapter worth of details about the characters might have helped us to not judge them or judge them fairly. I think uh, Matteo does talk about that in my podcast where he says, okay. I wish okay. I would have written more about Jason so oh yes, you wouldn't have such a strong negativity towards Jason that I wish I'd have defended him more and talked more. That makes me like, proud. Then yeah, I brought up like, no, he, he did say that about Jason. You know, I <laughs> yeah. never brought up this whole concept of yeah, Rose is smart, but I just you know, it's for me. I'm like I said, I'm a rule follower, and yeah. I, I just agree. for me making that's true for me personally. I do not like watching people break the rules and they get ahead of me and I'm sitting here going ethically or whatever my stupid ethics go no I can't break the rules I'm going to I'm going to follow all the rules and I'm way I'm going to end up last in life whereas that person broke every single rule and now they're a billionaire yay I mean I'm just a rule follower, that's all. And so when I see someone that way, it's, it's a very, yeah, judgmental, internalized thing of seeing people who break rules succeed. I, so I, I did say one thing, and I th- I'm so sorry. I'm no, really yeah, talking hey, you today. Club, we can keep going. I don't no, know why. Going. I'm sorry about that. I think I haven't attended so many book clubs, so it's coming out. You're like, I'm making up for the book club. Let's <laughs> do it. Let's do it. <laughs> but I like Aaron's um, an- analysis about that he was um, a, a hesitant leader, or maybe in some ways a weak leader, and a person like that when interact, those two personalities and the interact is bound to happen. Rose wouldn't do that if he was like, no, you're not going to do it kind of. So I think it's it's a nice way of uh, Mateo's putting two characters and and it happens to a lot of times that you see this happening where, uh, you know, you know, people who are nicer, even like, you know, a little child, a two-year-old can manipulate the mom if the mom's not strong. You know, so it's, I think it's a very beautiful, the way he portrayed was really nice. It's just every person you don't like or like somebody, but he really showed that because he lacked that, that's why this happened. I have no qualms with Mateo's writing or his accurate characterization Amazing. Of people and their behaviors. Heck, I thought it was nonfiction for the longest time. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a huge, huge credit to Matteo to be able to do that. And uh, so I have nothing against right. Matteo, like the characters and, you know, like what happened and, you know, reflecting life and being a satire and all of that. My issues when we're talking about Oh, what about this character? And what about that character? I just wanted to, you know, 
when I look at it from my own lens, my rose colored lens, my rule following lens, it's like, wait a minute, I've been going in the green lights, I've been stopping at the red lights, but that person's been going at every single red light and he got to his destination way faster than me and he got whatever was, you know, and people do that in real life today, absolutely. And uh, people get away with it. And sometimes people are even rewarded for their courage, their enterprising spirit to break the rule and to do all of that. It's not about woman or man. I just have a problem with those kind of rule breakers. Like, for example, Erin will tell you that I know she was dealing with an issue where she had someone who was promoted or something, right? And he was not doing so well or whatever. I don't know. It was just something. It's just, I guess, essentially in life, we want, I don't know about we, I want, um, I want fairness. I want, you know, I want things to be, you know, like, okay, if you work so hard, I want you to be rewarded for that. Uh, it's just really hard to watch someone work so hard and get no reward for it. And or it's really hard to watch someone cheat the system and get so much reward for it. That's kind of where I'm at. Well, I, I mean, I think that she wasn't the only person doing that. I think like that was the entire culture at this business. And I think that that is also, uh, again, like this whole commentary on the business world and on the sales world. I mean, it's really in many companies, not every company, but in many companies, it really is a, whatever you got to do to make the sell, whatever you got to say, whatever you got to do, you, you know, you got you, but you have to meet this quota. And I being in the sales world now, like the company that I work for isn't like that. But many people that work with me that have been in sales for years will talk about that and like their experiences at other companies. So I, I think that that's just kind of I mean, not that like stealing or beating people up should like, that's like, that's kind of like, I think, superfluous to this conversation because, yeah, it happened in the book, but I think that's unrealistic. I don't think that's really, unless you're, I don't know, dealing with the mafia or something. I don't think that's really what happens in business. I hope not. But, um, but, but I do but think. Erin, I'm cutting you off because, you know, I'm wondering if this is a commentary on what happens with, you know, like there's a lot of racial divide here. And is it a commentary on how Blacks need to fight back? This is how we we don't have any options. So we're fighting back like this. Is that possibly a racial commentary? Or am I making this up? And um, I don't know, maybe there. I don't I didn't see that. But I would say that it's easy to understand where if you are living under so much oppression that people do rise up. I mean, like, that's literally, you know, why you have revolutions. There were lots of different movements um, to end the oppression of uh, Black people and, and, and others um, in this country. So I don't know. It, I guess it could be, but I didn't catch on to that. I think I was thinking it was maybe a commentary on the stereotypes, perhaps, that, pe- that white people have for Black people. and. I mean, maybe it was a commentary on that. I don't know. I think that she was a very smart person that came from, like Rufith has said, from really un- 
fortunate and hard circumstances. And to expect anybody to not absorb those difficult circumstances, regardless of the color of their skin or who they are, is crazy because you're going to absorb those experiences. And it's hard to to not let that influence your decisions moving forward. But not to defend her violence because that was that was not great. And it definitely escalated the situations. Um, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Jen, you haven't said much, but before you say something, I do want to say something about, I've been thinking, you know, when you guys are talking about rules, like I've been like, I'm a rule follower. I don't break rules. I don't like that and all of that. And, um, you know, when Erin, you were talking about, you know, the whole history and things like that, I just felt, I was like, oh my gosh, slavery was legal. Am I saying that if I was living then, I'm just following the rules? Am I really hiding behind that by saying that was legal, segregation was legal? So, yeah, I mean, and I, and I was thinking about Robin Hood. You know, he stole from the rich to give to the poor. So a lot of commentaries with this book. I mean, it's just a lot to um, right. lot to unpack and think about where we are in today's society and our experiences, their experiences, where where people can go, how people can go there if they want to go there, all of that. It's um, it's just a very very um, the great commentary satire, all that stuff. And it was funny too. It was just Darren's just. I mean, the stuff they did, the restaurant was just like, I was like, oh my gosh, you seriously, oh my gosh, run. I'm like, what? What do you, oh my, I I was just, I couldn't believe it, but. All right, Dr. Jen, I, we've been, it's been like, I've been talking most of the time and then you've got Rufut and Aaron. So do you have something? Thank you. (laughs) No, I'm fine. I I agree though. I think it's, I think it's important to see beyond the rules and um, be empathetic and, you know, understand other people's experiences and be open-minded and all that and get perspectives outside of our, our own culture and kind of take things in, in the big picture. So, so I think following the rules is not, it, it, of course, it, it, of course it's good to follow the rules. Right. Um, but I, I think that there are, like you said, a lot of historical things that were by the rules that were not necessarily things that that should happen. So, um, and I agree that this book was, uh, interesting in, in that way. And I appreciated, uh, the kind of caricature, like, you know, funny things that happened, which were completely over the top and not realistic. I thought it brought a lot of humor to the book, which was, could have been otherwise very, serious and um harder to read that's true okay favorite character Saraya. <laughs> i have to say mom is good too i don't know darren himself was pretty good who Saraya? who else uh darren's mom oh darren's mom yes darren's mom and Saraya. yes um aaron jen favorite character yeah the um Saraya. i i like or how I'm not I'm probably not pronouncing her name right but I liked her a lot I felt like she was almost like calm to like you know the most wide extent that a person could be just like zen um that's why I think I liked her she was the person I could relate most to in this book the character that I could I could most relate to and I I honestly don't think we have that much in common but some of the other characters were just like so not my kind of people like really egotistical like not not my people (laughs) so I really appreciated her 
I don't know. She felt down to her, down to earth for me. Dr. Jen, favorite character. I I kind of agree. I'm I'm thinking through all the characters that I can remember, and I'm like they're they are all flawed <laughs> in some way, <laughs> which is not necessarily a, a bad thing, but very complex. I liked the um the guy that he worked with in Starbucks, the like his his friend who stuttered, um, but then he ended up getting mixed up with all the badness um in in the uh, the happy campers too, so. And Darren was very interesting um, as far as characters go, but I don't know that I would call him my, my favorite either. I, I, I agree that Soraya and mom were just like those stable presences. Like they, they were just, they were just there um, and they kind of held everything together for the time that they were in the story. So I guess I'll stick with that. <laughs> Mr. Rowling too. I, I love mm-hmm. his jokes and everything. So I think I wish there was more in the book about him. Yeah. I did feel that. My favorite character um, was the the driver, the, the driver of the car. It was pretty good. I really liked him a lot. It's just, he had so much heart and he was just there and he worked hard and he was just there. And uh, he was this presence in Darren's life. And uh, I don't, I mean, granted, they didn't have too much about him. You didn't see all his, neg- the negatives about him and things like that. But I really... I really, really, really liked him. I also liked Darren because he was, there were a lot of pluses to him and he was also deeply flawed. Mm-hmm. So if you really look at the balances of the characters, right? I like Soraya, don't get me wrong. I mean, because you all said Soraya, I just was like, okay. Soraya had a lot of pluses. You're right, very calm. She was strong. Yeah, I, yeah, like that. That's why I like the driver too. Calm, strong, just that personality. But when you look in real life, you got to have that plus and the minus. Okay, like so Darren's mother had the plus of being his mother and being the mother figure. The minus is essentially the way she handled the cancer. And, you know, yes, she was protecting him, but there was those struggles and you got to see those struggles that makes you more realistic so that I liked about Darren's mother Darren had the most pluses and minuses like if you took Jason there's a lot of more negatives than positives Rose had more negatives than positives I mean you look if you do the plus and minus scale like my plus and minus you know we all base it on our experiences my experience plus and minus scale I think Darren had a balance of it. There wasn't anything, there wasn't more here and more there. And, but then I liked the driver because he just had so much heart. So that was my favorite character. Favorite scene. I think for me, when, I don't know, I'm a romantic. So when Soraya, I mean, they're definitely much stronger and more serious scenes. But when Soraya comes and says, I broke up with the, with Jalal. And I just was waiting for that time, but they're, you know, this book is more than just this romantic scene. It just came to my head, but I'll let you guys. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say it's my favorite scene, but uh-huh. like um, the ones that stick out in my mind that I was like, again, I am not really sure why I'm reading this book right now. <laughs> <laughs> was when you would be at the company and they would introduce a new room and they were like, this is the, you know, I don't know seance room or like the things that they would name the different rooms I don't even remember all the names but I was just like this could never happen in a real company but maybe it has actually happened in a real 
<laughs> and it was just like so bizarre and like they would I don't know just the like to picture the things that they're describing in these rooms the designs to go like why they call it that room you know it was just uh, yeah those were very memorable scenes but uh, I guess that's why they they were my favorite not because like they had any more special meaning to the book yeah I, I agree I loved the scene where he is he first opens the doors to the main selling floor and it's chaos and there's pigs running around and everybody's screaming and yeah it was uh, eye-opening and I'm sure there are companies that are like that but um, that was very memorable and I also really liked the the scene um, where he's on the news show for the first time I forget the the news anchor's name but he just made his point and everybody appreciated it and then they moved on but yeah I, I liked that one too I love that new scene I forgot about it I was just absolutely brilliant brilliant comeback brilliant writing I mean just, that was just great my scenes I'm still laughing at the guys jumping out of a restaurant and running away from not paying this $2,000 check and I'm still like it's just it's almost like I feel like they're like literally like you've got this I've got this visual of someone who's fat jumping out of this thin window and like push go they're coming they go, you know like it's one of these is random visuals that I have, but it's not literally that, but you know, it's just, and I just found that scene just, I don't know. It's just hilarious. And I thought you were a rule follower. Pay the bill when you eat, right? <laughs> it, was, it was funny, okay? It was funny. Uh, but the other scene that I really liked, it's just really, really, really touched my heart was at the end, just before he goes, does the drug deal, when he tells Chauncey, hey, if I don't come back in 15 minutes, just drive off and don't worry about it. And um, it's like, I don't understand, sir. And that's like, no, you've, you've just got to, you know, trust me in 15 minutes. If you don't hear from me, if I don't come in, if you don't hear from me, just go, don't look back. Don't come looking for me, just go. And I don't know when I, when I think about that scene, there's, I don't know. I feel I just, I feel hurt in a lot of ways. I don't know why I feel so hurt because I just feel like, oh my gosh, it's like, because again, Shanti, the driver is one of my favorite characters. And um, to put him through that decision of saying, you know what, I'm gonna, you want me to let go. Like it's that Titanic Rose scene, you know, where she's holding on to him and finally she lets him go just so she can get the whistle to save herself in it's that kind of a, you know, it's that moment of where you cross that threshold and the hurt you feel that I can't save you. And the person says, I know you can't save me. Don't save me. And I, I know those are not the dialogues, but I'm just saying that's how it felt to me. And it'll, it'll always be memorable to me that the car and him and yeah. So, uh, are we ready for um, cover and title? Oh, no, Rufat's not. Sorry, I just have one more question and maybe I didn't understand that scene and I didn't know how it fits in today's word where uh, Clyde was selling a donut for different prices for each race. I kind of did not understand how it was allowed, how he could be so. And on many other occasions, how people said, whatever damn country you came from, or um, I was... Um, not sure if that's something which is practiced and why are people, I mean, anybody 
who says such things should be accounted for, if not sued, you know, saying that. So I wasn't, I didn't understand how to place that. I mean, if it was a book written maybe 60 years ago, I would be okay with it, but. I, I will address that. I think even today, we just don't hear about all of the insults that goes on and how many times people from a different race or religion, how many hijabi women, American citizens born in this country, maybe they're like second or even third generation American women, uh, American citizens, you know, wearing a hijab where someone says, go back to your damn country. And it's like, this is my country. And it's, you know, so, okay. And that that's where I will, you know, say these things happen. A Mm -hmm. lot of, a lot of things. I think it's a very, um, it's a great blunt way of saying, Hey, people wake up. And I liked, I think he was probably sort of putting an analogy to something. He wasn't, I mean, but um, I understand when you say, you know, I am a speech therapist and I remember two of my supervisors when I was doing my master's said that it's not a profession for you because you have an accent and, you know, you don't know the culture. So you're not going to become a good speech therapist. I think two supervisors, like, you know, I was at the end of my master's program and she goes it's too late for you to change your profession all right and I was like (laughs) so I mean I understand things like these happen and uh, but I still I wasn't able to understand and I I wonder if somebody can anybody and someone else can tell me where he was selling those treats for different prices was it just an analogy was it just um, you know when he said 10 cents for you know, you guys remember what I'm talking about? I think Dr. Jen remembers. I do. Um, I remember that. I think he was being purposefully obnoxious. I don't think he was really trying to sell him that way. I think he was okay. trying to make a point that, you know, all of these these people over here want to treat white people differently and they want to, you know, raise up, you know, people of color and therefore we're going to give all those people of color advantages that us white people aren't having. And like, I, I feel like he was trying to like make a point that um, kind of in an illustrative way. <laughs> but kind of taking it too far on purpose, if that makes sense. No, I I guess that makes sense. Okay. Cover title. Rate it. I loved the cover. I would give it a five Um, because I think it's, it looks like a Starbucks cup. So I, I, you know, I'm guessing like that's the throwback to where he came from. So I I liked the cover. Uh, And what, what else the title? I like it because that was a name that was given to him by these people who I'm still not really certain that he liked or didn't like, but he worked for him for a while. So, <laughs> I mean, um, he accepted this really, in my opinion, I think it's a pretty racist thing to call somebody or very stereotyped thing to call somebody, but he accepted it and he uh, made it his own, you know, he owned it, you know, he like, he took that and kind of like, you know, kind of like the witch or the other words that people may call women. You know, there's books about how we just like, we own that. We're just going to take it and we're going to run with it. Or, you know, when certain politicians refer to us as, you know, by by our anatomy, the pussy, instead of like, you know, as a person, and we're just going to own it. And so I appreciated the title. I give it a five too. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I liked both. Um, I thought the title or the the cover is very engaging. It made me want to pick up the book and look at it. I liked the colors and yeah, the, you know, the hand holding it and then the, you know, tower for the L. So yeah, I liked it. I thought that the title was good too. So I, I'd give them both fives. Same here. I love the cover and I love the title. Oh, me too. Me too. Cool. Both. It's, it's fives for both. I, I really liked the title and the cover and I'm, I'm really glad they put this book on the um, Libra from influencer list. That way I got it. Speaking of which, I know, you know, uh, the final question will be, you know, the final rating of the book. But before I go into that, I'm going to bring this up because I brought this up to Mateo and he made me look like a total fool on my own podcast, which is fine. He was very justified in it. But the question I asked him, and I'm going to ask you guys this question, and you can make me look like a fool too, but I'm going to ask the same question. So I said, Mateo, I've been on Bookstagram for so long, and I'll be very honest, if I wasn't a Libra from Influencer, I would, this book wouldn't have even crossed my, um, wouldn't have crossed my path, because I look through Bookstagram, and I, you know, I see what books are, you know, oh, like, oh, wait, right, like right now, if you look at Bookstagram, everyone's talking about Malibu Rising, right, by Taylor Jenkins Reid. You keep going through Bookstagram, and these, you know, you'll see these books, that are like two years ago when I got on Bookstagram, it was always where the crawdads sing. Everyone's talking about that. Uh, I know Celadon's pushing maidens. So you you see certain books and you're like, oh, I want to read that book. That's how you you kind of get exposed to it on your friend's feed. You, you have so many followers. I mean, those feeds. And I said, I have not seen Black Buck on my feed. And the only reason I read your book was because it showed up in my Libra from influencer thing. Otherwise, I'd have missed up on missed out on such a great book. What are your thoughts about what I just said? Well, I mean, I didn't. I did not. I saw it a couple of times on on Instagram, but that was like around the time that you posted your podcast with him. But where I saw it a lot was at Target. Every time I'd walk into a Target, it was right there. It was like, it was there. It was like top shelf. It was there. So I definitely saw it a lot more when I went to the store to get my detergent and my like household goods, which, um, and it was like, like I said, on top shelf right there on the featured. And that actually drew my attention more. I don't even know why than on Instagram. Cause I think sometimes I think that the books that are advertised on Instagram, it's because you know, somebody had a lot of money to like pay people to do that. And I I don't know how Target chooses which books that they emphasize and place on the like right there on the featured shelf. I have no clue how they picked it because I don't think that there was a lot of hype around it when I was seeing this at, at Target. So I'm not sure how Target picks it, but woohoo for Target because they got it right. I'm glad I read the book and I'm glad I finished the book. What do you guys think? What what has your exposure to this book been? Uh, zero. Uh, I I don't follow a lot of people about books, nor do I really use Instagram. So I my my book information comes from you guys. <laughs> so, so I got nothing. <laughs> Good, Rufus. What about you? I know you're on Bookstagram, so I am. Yes, yes, I am. And uh, but honestly. I read a lot in terms of number of pages, but for me, it 
I would love to read a book that I've read before. There are books that I've read like literally 20, 30 times and I still don't get tired of them. And I always shied away from the contemporary authors and that's one thing I like about the book clubs I have with you and with a few other people who love. I mean, I would have never read Eleanor Oliphant, if Oliphant book. I would not have read uh, many other books if I weren't on the, on the book clubs. So I think I'm not a person who would be catching the contemporary fiction anyway. I don't follow um, Oprah's book club or the other lady. Uh, what's her name? The Alabama girl. Uh, Reese. I love her, but I don't follow their book. I just think that, you know, for me, I I love to read older novels like Jeffrey Archer and all that. So, but, um, uh, so, and I've not been on Bookstagram for a long time, but I do, and I wish I could tell you if I were, if I saw, because you're right, I saw that Crawdad, which I actually was in my favorite. (laughs) I didn't like that book very much. Did you guys like it? Oh, Okay. So we yes, make- we, we did. I, I mean, I loved Crawdads a lot, oh, but it, it's fine. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's, uh, it's- you can discuss it some other day. <laughs> but um, anyway, there were like, you know, there are quite a few books that I do write. I keep on saying, but I wish I could tell you in this certain frame of time, if I saw Black Buck or not, uh, but you are the one who introduced it to me when I saw it. I also think uh, the accounts you follow and um, the way Instagram and Facebook and all these social media work. If you are following a certain kind of theme, they should show those books. I mean, considering us that we read cast and so many books like these, this book should have come up on your feed. You know what I'm saying? How you look for something, they, you know, those things come up. So I'm surprised, but uh, I mean, it just does seem like that the platform that you follow probably either picks up different kind of authors or gives them more chance. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Mateo said to me, he's like, uh, what did he, he say? Yes. He was like, I'm going to be very blunt with you. Maybe you're not following many black people. And, and I appreciate that, you know, call me out. That's fine. He's like, maybe you're not following many black bookstagram oh. accounts. He's like, look up hashtag black bookstagram. And you know what? I did not know. Hmm. There were there is a hashtag black bookstagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is black author. Yes. Well, I didn't, you know, I wasn't like black bookstagram or black bookgram. I did not, I had never tagged a book hmm. with that, like cast. Okay. When if you look at my, I probably posted on Instagram. If you look at my tags, it doesn't, there is no black bookstagram tag yeah. on it. And you know, I have a standard list of tags. So when I did punch me up to the gods. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I started, you know, in my, I have a little notes thing of a whole bunch of hashtags. Right. I have a thing with black books. And so I can hashtag black bookstagram, yeah. but, uh, and he's right because he's then right. I started like following more, you know, black people and, uh, those people, like I posted about Mateo and, you know, like I'll show up, I'm like, say, hi, Mateo, whatever. Mm-hmm. Then I started looking at their feeds and I'm like, he's right. He, he, because yeah. he's like, I, I've seen my book on, you know, so many feeds. Like mm-hmm. he was like, I was just surprised that so many people are reading my book and posting about it. Got it. And then now I understand it's the whole black bookstagram and following and all of that. So yeah, just, I just thought I should mm-hmm. bring that no, up. 
yeah and like i said if you again it depends upon so he kind of you know said the same thing so definitely if you have black, black authors uh, african-american authors and like those tags then they probably are going to show you more of that following the cast lady and all that you know so that's that's makes sense actually that, yeah i agree that's a really good point and that's definitely a blind spot i didn't know that there was like a whole hashtag for um black bookstagram now i'm definitely going to start yes following that hashtag a hashtag that i followed uh, that I, I get a lot of feminist reads is like fe the feminist books like it's just hashtag feminist books um there's also I found this out from a podcast that I started following on Instagram um it's done by a genetic counselor but there's like genetic counselors of bookstagram <laughs> <laughs> it's like a thing. So, there you go, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah. Cool. So, you know, there's. I feel like there's probably a lot of like of um, blind spots that we have as far as like identities that we think of for ourselves, and it's not that we're not supportive of other identities. We just it's a blind spot, and mm -hmm. and so I'm glad that he brought that um, to our awareness as a group because that's um, that's something I need to work on. Last question. You guys know what it is. Final rating of the book. You're, you know, out of five, the five's really good and one's not so good. What is your rating of Black Buck? I gave it a five. I'm pretty sure I gave it a five. I mean, I, despite my hate for the characters, there's some characters I just want to punch them out. But the amount of emotions I feel with this book, I, I'm still feeling emotions so many months later. Sorry, hands down five for me. So I'm going to go a 4.5, which means that on Goodreads, I'm at the roundup. Uh, his writing was amazing. The characters and their voices were spot on. I'm like you, Shanaz, though. I wanted to punch some people in the face. No, not that violently. But, you know, there were some some characters that I was like, I just can't stand these people. They're so unlikable. Uh, <laughs> but... I'm glad I finished the book. I'm glad I came back to it. And and so, yeah, somewhere between a 4.5 and a 5 for me. Um, I'll, I'll go with 4.5. It's definitely not a 5 for me. It's It doesn't, for me, compare to, like, Ready Player One or um, The House on the Cerulean Sea. Like, those were amazing. I will read them 100 times. Um, this, I might take it up again. I don't know. Will I recommend it to other people? maybe um so it was good I, I enjoyed it uh it just isn't quite up to that level okay that's fair Rufat same here I'll actually go down to four even between four and 4.5 4.25 something um I love the writing I love the characters but I do feel that he could have inserted more about the characters so that we didn't leave you know kind of feeling the way we did yeah, the, that kind of bugged me that, you know, and some some of the things that happened so unreal, I thought that, but then again, that's life. So he did good there too. But I think for 4 to 4.5, for the same reason that he should have included some more details. Uh, and yes, like uh, Dr. Jen said, if I am going to read another, the book another time, that means I read, but I don't think I'm going to read it again. I actually own the book and I... I might actually listen to it again. I don't I don't do books again only because I have so many books. It's we all do, but you know, with 
And for me, it's publicists sending me all these books, you know, commitments actually, where I've said, okay, I'll interview the author. And um, I will tell you that Matteo Escaripur, after he said yes to being on my podcast, he has changed my world because what he did was he sent an email to me when I respond in response to me that I would love to be on your podcast. That email was also close captioned with uh, CC'd rather to um, his publicist who is the publicist for HMH books, which is now Mariner books. And after that, I got the meet me up to the gods interview. I got the arsonist city interview. I got the very nice box interview and I've got literally three books coming out in August that's sitting in my inbox that I haven't read yet that I have to read and do the interviews. I mean, and, and they've, you know, they've been bought by Harper Collins. I mean, this was like a big deal. So thank you, Mateo. So it's just been a great ride for me, but I will, I would love to, to just kind of just chill. And um, before I close book club, the street by Anne Petrie. I just want to say real quick that the reason I picked that book is because I was supposed to have picked this book last year, sometime September of last year. Thayari Jones was the author of The American Marriage and Silver Sparrow, I think. She had posted on her bookstagram about this phenomenal book, and it was written, I think it was written in the 30s or 40s. And she posted about it. And she's like, you guys should do it for a book club. Like I messaged her and I said, oh, I have a book club. Maybe I should do this. She goes, yeah, absolutely. You should do this for your book club. I mean, Tayari Jones recommends it. That's, that's a huge recommendation right there. And that, ladies, concludes book club. Thank you for joining us in attendance today at book club was Erin Riffith, Dr. Jen, and of course, myself. Stay tuned for more episodes. My next episode is going to be an author conversation with Erica Montgomery, the author of A Summer to Remember. The book was published by St. Martin's Press. So that will be coming up next. After that, I'm going to be working on another book club episode where we discuss a casual vacancy by J.K. Rowling. And as always, I'm working on other episodes. So stay tuned. Before I go, if you are on the audio app Clubhouse, please look up my name and follow me there. I'll be happy to do a room with you. I want to talk a bit about a great audiobook app, Libro.fm, lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your local favorite bookstore. Choose from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from bestsellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of this podcast can get two books for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that is L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code L-L-T-B podcast. With every listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'll add the links in the show notes. If you love this episode or any of my previous episodes, please take a moment 
to write me a review on Apple Podcasts. Please share this podcast with your family and friends and through your social media channels. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram on Living a Life Through Books. You can reach me through email. My address is livingalifethroughbooks at gmail.com. Join the conversation with me on the audio app called Swell. My tag on Swell is at Bookish Podcast. It's a different kind of audio app, but it's still a good way to reach me. My website is shanazahmed.com. That is S-H-A-H-N-A-Z-A-H-M-E-D.com. The opening and closing music to this and all my previous episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Slavic. I'm Dr. Shanaz Ahmed with Living a Life Through Books signing off. Remember to water the seeds within you. It's time.